to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good morning, stalwart listeners, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. On today's action-packed episode 160, I will be fulfilling the role of Craig, and on the other side of the world... Because that's how global we are. It's Ben. Yes, it's blistering white knuckle tension all the way. I, I, I've got some some bandages for the blisters, by the way. They're they're healing nicely. Awesome. Pop some aloe vera on them. They'll be fine. Yeah, fantastic. All right. So our topic for this episode one hundred and sixty is laser plated hero, and comes to us from people who have listened to. Songs produced by the Happy Jacks RPG podcast crew, but got the lyrics wrong. Yes. You know who you are. <laughs> Indeed. And for those who are not aware, the the Happy Jacks RPG podcast has been running for many moons, and uh, they provide a invaluable sort of agony art service. People write in with all sorts of tales of mayhem and hamburger molestation if i'm remembering some of the darkest episodes um i do not remember that episode nor do i wish to i shouldn't have brought it up they're going to be mad at me not specifically but yeah in general and they they distribute sage advice and make fun of their co-hosts on the basis of various things they've done many actual plays and drink and drink they may be cutting back on the drinking these days but yes it was a, a cornerstone of they uh, also Several of the members are part of the totally forgotten their band's name. Poxy Bogards? Yes. I think it's the Poxy Bogards. And have produced such memorable tunes as I Wear No Pants. A classic for our time. For any time, really. So it's somewhat, actually, I don't think it's ironic, but it is somewhat a thing that we have decided to take a uh, Mondegreen of one of their RPG f- flavored songs and turn it into a prompt. We are recycling the internet in real time. It's what we do. About seven or eight years late. That's also what we do. Woo. So, as as a bit of introduction, just so that you know what 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 to expect from the big red couch, assuming that for some reason you have wandered into this with absolutely no idea of what you're listening to and why. If a friend has introduced you to this show, judge them hard. Ashley, Ashley. Mm. So, this is The Big Red Couch. It is a game show podcast, for some reason, uh, about creating tabletop role-playing game concepts and trying to pitch them to the other hosts and occasional guests when we can find one who exists in a compatible time zone. Which, given that we're already occupying two time zones, is not as easy as you might think. So every episode, we combine some arbitrary prompts selected by the audience or because of stuff we heard, bizarre pop culture references, real and sometimes imaginary role-playing games, and try to come up with something that somebody might actually want to play in. Sometimes this works. And, um, yes, I think I've already covered where this episode's uh, prompt came from. It came from other people not listening correctly. And by other people, I mean me, specifically. (laughs) Yes, we also have the topic cards, 
which I have been trying to get named Spice Weasel Cards because they spice up the episode against some considerable pushback from the rest of the cast, but I'm not bitter. That last bit was a lie. 20th Century Fox is going to sue the hell out of us if we don't stop this. You understand that? (laughs) I mean, they do that to everyone. It's fair. Fair enough, they can sue me and take my apartment. It's not like I own it. That's how it works, right? I'm not sure 20th Century Fox exists anymore. I think they've been consumed by some other horrifying conglomerate. Didn't they get eaten by Disney? It's hard to tell. So many things have been. Anyway, so, having got through the preamble bit, I actually have an idea for this one. Excellent. Ben, I am hoping, has an idea for this one. We have an idea from former couchetier Tonya, and a couple uh, ideas from from folks who have written in. Well. So we're starting to get that whole internet agony art thing going, because apparently that's where the big money is. Well, I'm sure that the Happy Jacks crew can... um speak to that but i suspect we are more getting the output of people's personal problems rather than descriptions of them so maybe hold fire on that yeah very cool very cool so do you want to head into this one ben oh sure staying with the theme of not hearing things properly nice nice i am spinning a tale of the future of cuisine We've done this before a couple of times, but this one I felt it was a, still a good avenue for exploration. Amilo Leza, acclaimed cold fusion cuisine celebrity, and the mayor of Flavor Space is missing. Considered a populist buffoon at worst, and a legitimate champion of authentic microgravity food by many spacefarers, he doesn't actually have many in the way of known enemies, but he clearly has secrets. The players are a collection of interplanetary sleuths, each with a culinary focus and field that complements their investigative styles. Some are fast and efficient, some esoteric and complex, but all are determined to solve the case and grow their prestige. But are their narrow disciplines going to be enough to triumph alone? Okay. I mean, I, I'm liking the Guy Fieri reference. Yeah. yeah I, I, from what I've been gl- gleaning, I mean... The, the, the popular perception of what I have presented to me um, is basically he looks at and acts like a deep fried Smash Mouth video. <laughs> but I keep hearing things about where he's just like a nice guy and does really useful and helpful things in the community and is genuinely passionate about the kind of food experience that he's doing. So, yeah, and that's, that's pretty cool. The idea is basically knives out with food in space and more detectives more accents if possible as well gotta have the accents and as well as the topics card i was going to use changing the rules because armillo was a rule breaker at least in the terms of the conventions of tasteless dehydrated astronaut food and the players must break their own boundaries and work together to solve the mystery because it's not something they can do alone interesting okay I do like the sort of matching up of culinary um, culinary style to investigative style. I think it sounds, it's probably a good way to differentiate between the short order cook style versus some sort of 
molecular gastronomy versus some sort of high culture haute cuisine deal. Indeed. Also, the phrase short order cook style really sounds like some sort of martial art. It could be. Yeah, that would be an interesting one if it was somebody like uh, a sort of street vendor noodle kind of thing. Part of the influence is definitely going to be uh, sort of the Expanse style, possibly a little less hideously gritty than that, but the idea (laughs) that microgravity isn't the best. The way that people prepared food initially for space was freeze-dry it and fuck you, it's, it's protein. And there's been a slow and steady kind of exploration of what actually tastes good in zero g what what can be prepared easily what is what's actually feasible and amilo laser is the the guy who is um who, who's who's really been the, the focus and the champion of this kind of style the thing i'm stuck on is what sort of what sort of system would help bring out the flavors as it were for the characters i mean we keep circling back to this and it, it's a it's a terrible thing that we haven't actually run a game but uh protein might or at least a, a similar sort of a, a sort of aesthetic might help but it also needs something that allows you to build i guess you could if you're picking scenes from the the from the menus and you know part of the things you get out of them might be a revelation or a piece of evidence or something has turned up and but the the, instead of the dessert section there is the denouement section hmm and i i had been thinking gumshoe just because gumshoe but i mean the idea of a bizarre blend of gumshoe and poutine has a certain something to it gumbo shoe no no that's terrible (laughs) I mean, I don't hear anybody baying for your blood right now, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, okay. No, nothing scratching. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing scratching at the door, nothing trying to tunnel its way in. And as the saying goes, if people don't come back from the future to stop you, how bad an idea can it really have been? Fair. Though, to be fair, there is also that uh, Wondermark comic about, I really want to know what it is that you do in the future that has the uh, 28th century so concerned. If they would just (laughs) shout a hint. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I quite like that. I, from, from a, yeah, from a personal point of view, yeah, from a, from a personal point of view, I think I would want a little bit more gumshoe than poutine, but I would definitely want the whole sort of broken down into courses kind of vibe because it just fits so beautifully with what you're talking about here. Hmm. Whether the final course is dessert or whether the final course is brandy and cigars, who knows? Final course is revenge. The final course is always revenge. (laughs) Fair enough. Served hot or cold? (laughs) Yeah, depends. (laughs) Depends on the outlying conditions. I mean, if it's a cold day, some hot revenge is really lovely. <laughs> it warms you from the inside. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I am reminded of the movie Who is Killing the Great Chefs of Europe, though, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure I can only remember the first half hour of that movie. Is it possible that they shortchange you on entire movie and that doesn't, the rest doesn't actually exist, or do you think you just fell asleep? I think I just fell asleep. Yeah. I and mean, it was quite an old movie. 
well, it's quite an old movie now. It probably wasn't quite an old movie when I saw it, but I suspect I was a teenager at the time. So it has somehow become an old movie. Not sure how that process works, to be honest. Indeed, indeed. That's unfathomable, isn't it? Mm. Super bizarre. No, that's, pre- that's pretty cool. I, that, that's quite fun. And and provides a natural jumping off point to Jack's suggestion when, when we're done oh. kicking this one to death. Well, if you don't have any uh, insights to, to rattle off, it's uh, pretty much as far as I've got. It would need a little bit sort of colourful characters and an interesting setting, some sort of, you know, some sort of flagship. Quite literally. Quite possibly, quite li- well. I'm not sure that uh, Armin Laser has a, like a fleet. Like maybe he does. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it is. It is verging on. If you make it a straight up kind of Buck Rogers future with you know gleaming finned spaceships that are also 1950s diners, you could take the ridiculousness right up there. Hmm. Looping back to the gumshoe thing, the reason I had thought of that was because I, to my to my memory of it, it has the view of your detectives. Of course, you find the clue. The, mm, yep. the trick is whether you find any extra stuff. It would be easy enough to port that across into something poutini with just a yes. This is the this is the investigation scene. Of course, you find the clues. How would you not find the clues? Oh yes, it's more the interactions and what is determined mm. by these things, and whether it's uh, you know it would sort of naturally help them. We say two detectives go to one place and they talk to the surly, um, the bar- surly barkeep played by the other two detectives while they're out of the scene. That would be there. Yeah, that would work pretty well. It's just giving it more of a, and possibly the outcomes and so forth, where they, if there is any mechanical randomizations, whether or you know things that they're trying to achieve. It's like okay, what's something? It might allow them to spend points later on to get a particular scene. Hmm. Or this is maybe a little bit of a bit of a gambling. Would there be a GM? Would there be somebody who actually knows knows the case? Probably not. I think it would probably be a yeah. It could be open ended. I mean, the the possibility that say it's, it is uh, Mister Laser himself who is manipulating events from the shadows, or something else is going on entirely. It would be yeah. You could you could figure that out. Okay. Cool. Very cool indeed. All right. So, and you said this. That rolls on to a writing suggestion? Indeed. Oh, it was a, a an offhand comment from former couch here, Tonya, commenting that the word plated has a very different meaning in the culinary world. Mm. And it puts a very different spin on laser-plated hero. Now, I'm not specifically thinking Sweeney Todd here, but I'm kind of Ooh. thinking Sweeney Todd here. Where is the hero in this partic- particular hero sandwich? On the plate. Yeah, yeah, that was my. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my concern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thinly sliced and dry aged for fourteen <laughs> days. <laughs> cool. That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> D- depending on where you got the meat from, of course. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. This one's a solar power hero. They're a light meat. <sighs> Tastes like chicken. Alright. So Yeah, so that was a horrendously dark suggestion from Tonya, so thank you very much for making us all feel weird and creepy. Well, we should do something with it. There's gotta be Lock it away somewhere. <laughs> um So is it does it provoke a particular setting? I mean ironically it would slide 
very gruesomely into into my pitch. So, indeed, indeed, it would. <laughs> it's like the the detective sitting around a, a table, a plate of a plate of cold cuts in front of him. Couldn't couldn't stand the man. Completely tasteless, in my opinion. Hmm. Mm, tasty. <laughs> um, shades of a, I think a Roald Dahl story where the the cops end up eating the murder weapon because it was a frozen mm, thing of lamb. Lamb to the slaughter. Yes. Mm. If I was going to run this, I mean, it would. I would actually want. Yeah, I'd want to do it as a detective slash cop type story. Do the sort of thing where you're, you know, you are the non-powered cops in a world that has powered heroes and heroes are going missing and it turns out that there is some lunatic who is quite literally killing and serving them so presumably they have various themed dishes with sort of matching color schemes sort of a yeah here this is our 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 tribute to the the currently missing commander powers veal (laughs) (laughs) yes tastes like victory (laughs) The gourmand, indeed. Mm. Yeah. yeah, depending on how things are going, possibly the restaurant chain is taking off, and the gourmand is is getting desperate just because they're running out of superheroes. You know, there's only so uh, so far you can stretch stre- stretch a hero, even if you do go after the internal bits. And um, well, Wolverine would last you a good long time, but that that's making oh, the entire... <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, th- uh, thank you for the suggestion. I think we, yeah, it, it, but we are uh, probably want to get this train back on the rails <laughs> <laughs> away from this particular branch of Flavortown. Uh, Indeed, yes. though, from a, a injecting a moment of utter horror into an otherwise less horrific supers type game, finding that some, yeah, finding that some villain, and I don't even mean super villain, just somebody has found a, a a superhero probably just fresh out of um yeah sort of fresh out of whatever power power academy? formation event has occurred. Mm. Maybe maybe not academy, maybe it's just like somebody mutated and their mutant power was really rapid healing and then somebody said, You know, I've got this idea. And so you've just got this horrifying torture scenario where they're carving thin Laser carving, thin slices of hero off, and this inexhaustible supply. It is kind of Gordon Ramsay does Saw, which, yeah, I don't know Dude. if the world's ready for that. <laughs> Definitely not. I certainly am. Mm. Okay. So, moving yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Backing away from the tub of happiness. <laughs> Thank you for that terrible, terrible idea. That was awesome. Okay. And we had a suggestion from our regular and trusted commentator. John Rea, a.k.a. Kedimono. Welcome to the Punkalypse, where the plurality occurred and all the punk genres collapsed in one messy, messy, cog-wheeled, mirror-shaded, diesel-fumed, solar-powered hole. The PCs are a group of top-hat-wearing, leather jackets with spike-clad, oiled-smeared, space-boot-festooned folks who grew up in the plurality. The whole solar system is theirs if they want it, they just have to get there. Yes, they are big damn laser-plated heroes. So, this is your standard, if there is such a thing, punk universe. All the punk genres are present. Steampunk, clockpunk, atompunk, dieselpunk, nanopunk, biopunk, raypunk, solarpunk, 
elf punk, myth punk, Archimedes punk, and many more. The word punk has lost all meaning for me. <laughs> I, I didn't even know some of these existed. Hmm. I, I can. I can. I can intuit what the others are. I mean, punk as a genre modifier is people are extremely into this this aesthetic slash style, and uh, as we mentioned before, taking it to the man. So, I, I remember Jay Lake suggesting that Jesus punk should be a thing. That one I'm struggling picturing, but okay. <laughs> Are you wandering around first century Judea kicking Romans, or...? It was a throwaway comment. <laughs> eh, fair enough. Okay. John, this is an understatement, even by your standards. It's a bit of a dog's breakfast of settings. All the cool bits of the various punks are present, but also the bad ones as well, crudely mixed together. Major Japanese international corporations vie for territory at the same time as the British Empire, led by the internal Empress Victoria, who is powered by nano-bio-steamware, is expanding its tentacles to try and try and claim everything. Mecha style is quite a pain in the butt as well. The PCs will be competent, having their choice of genres used to equip their characters with a full understanding that there is always a bigger fish. Jedi Punk? Adventures. Yeah, they got some. Just grab any published adventure for any of the punk genres. Plurality it up and let the players think they that having green lasers is cool. Paranoia punk! What do you think, sirs? Hmm. I think this is awesome. It actually sounds like most of the things where I picked up more than two GURPS settings. So, yeah, I can see mm. part of the appeal. <laughs> I still want to play Mecha Bunnies and Burrows Ice Age. Yeah, yeah, that would, yeah. It, I mean, you're just, you're you're trying to out rifts rifts. Yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> uncomfortably accurate. Maybe succeeding. That's the that's the thing. So yeah, it's a. It would possibly degenerate quickly into a. Oh no! That that was a uh, new foe is powered by X Punk. It's like how does that work? Oh well. So you either you probably need a less grounded system than GURPS for a start <laughs> oh yeah GURPS is, is, is entirely off I, I I would suggest something like Fate Accelerated mm. everything is style and yeah. how, how much enthusiasm you have for your particular genre mm. plus I like the, the sort of okay can we bolt our various punks together yeah. can we make this work it might end up being weirdly delineated like Torg, or just kind of turning into a weird genre smoothie, which at that point you probably have your own thing. Hmm. But you still got DIY and sticking it to the aforementioned man. Hmm. I, I do love the fact of just, like, grab a scenario for any punk setting, slap some extra styles on it, and you're good to go. Is just brilliant to me. Uh, you know, as long as the, the game is vaguely compatible, it doesn't have to specifically be a punk setting. You could just be rolling into town and, yeah, there you are. <laughs> it does, I think it does feel parodic on several levels. Yes, that is fair. Particularly Paranoia yeah, yeah. Punk. The idea of parodying something that is in itself a parody. Uh, has yeah, that's that's 
that always gets tricky being being comic about something that's already comic you have to you have to understand where it's coming from or it doesn't really make sense but yes i yeah i remember many 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 years ago at school a friend writing a, a parody of danger mouse because he didn't know that it was already a parody that is something you can well i won't say get away with but it, it's excusable in in your in your earlier years given you know that is fair <laughs> danger mouse might be your first exposure to all of these wacky tropes so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was probably the explanation i'm not sure he'd seen any james bond films um indeed i think it was during the sean connery era nominally nominally Mm. so about running this game i yeah keep it fast and loose just keep things moving just there's more stuff thrown at the wall keep going i don't see this surviving close examination for even a split second could be fun though yeah yeah this is i think extended play beer and pretzels is probably where i would pitch this yeah it's like, like not it's the it's it's like the universe of the early command and conquer games and yeah stuff like that don't don't try and take it too seriously or it will just get bogged down because trying to examine any of it with any level of seriousness yeah it will it will fall apart hmm. but yeah keep moving keep throwing out weird stuff and keep always be escalating making it more crazy and and yeah it should be almost sort of a it should be fun it should be fun but it also should be have a level of boot camp intensity i i don't mm. see this this as being a game that you should get to the end of it and not feel somewhat exhausted <laughs> <laughs> though that could just be the sugar crash that could be exactly but you you'll be one of you'll be riding that high until the, you know it comes to the, the end <laughs> so you're something that 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 definitely builds to a a crescendo it's definitely a I think would be yeah. a, an, an ideal thing. I don't know if there's any particular game that lends itself to that. I'm still hmm. stuck on Fate Accelerated. There are probably yeah. other options, and I'm hoping somebody out in the audience can suggest them. Yeah, something light and flexible, absolutely. Something something mm. that, kind of, that is not going to get uh, too obsessed with technicalities or bogged down with um, with stuff. Hmm. <laughs> Rules and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Rules and shit. <laughs> yeah. Rules of Phanax, indeed. <laughs> Hey, what was that from? <laughs> I don't know. I just assembled it from random cool guy in 80 um, action movies saying just the rules are for narcs. Yeah. Okay. So that thank you. Thank you very much for that, John. That is, that is fun. And John has provided a link to the, the list of cyberpunk deliverers. Bleah, cyberpunk derivatives. Or, Deliverators? Uh, wasn't that the the name of the yeah. uh, or the the job title of hero protagonist from uh, Snow Crash? Yeah, the Deliverator. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I will. I will be checking out that list because there are so many versions of. I mean, many of them I can guess, but some of them I cannot. So that'll be quite entertaining. I have a feeling that they are not. They are more derivations of cyberpunk than they are punkifications of the original thing. So, but just a re, a, a re-platforming of the type of attitude as much as anything. So, it's punk setting. Attitude is important, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so cool. Th- thank you, John. And well, 
we seem to be on a weird roll with this one because um, you know, Ben's comment of you know, if you take a look at the setting, it will fall apart. <laughs> um, kind of brings me to my one, and I will say from the outset that a lot of this was inspired by a Mitchell and Webb comedy bit and the comments on the YouTube the the, the YouTube video of it. So. If you are out there in the audience and are really, really dedicated, go and look up the Mitchell and Webb uh, Victron sketch. It's about four minutes. Uh, if you already know it, maybe you'll see where I'm going with this. But I'll try to avoid spoilers. Do you want me to check that I've seen it, or um, do you think I can? It, I can. It it shouldn't matter. It's just more of a. Cool. That's where the inspiration right. came from. I'm going to try to that's avoid cool. spoilers. Cool. Okay, so laser plated hero put me immediately in the mind of those sort of very cheesily earnest cartoons where things make absolutely no sense. And so it was just you know, the idea of the um, the hero saying, yeah, ha I'm wearing my laser plate armor. Like, that makes no sense. Lasers do not work like that. <laughs> you know, and it's clearly this this shimmery armor made of, of like plates of laser. And like, no, that that no, that's not how that's not how physics works. No. In, in, in comparison, Gem and the Holograms is perfectly technically sound. Really? I, I, I can't, it's been a while since I've watched any of Gem and the Holograms. So. As I recall, she was, she was a basically a rock star. The, the Gem of the rock star was an alternate, was an alternate identity projected uh, in the form of holograms by her earrings directed by an AI computer. That is remarkably plausible for the era. Oh yes, that was totally bulletproof in the early eighties, and it sold lots of merch. So, yeah, I and mean, I remember the Mighty Ducks ca- uh, cartoon, which did at one point have a uh, have the, the the manager basically highlight the ridiculousness of it by saying on the phone, yeah, "Look, if you can find somebody else, you can get your uh, your breakfast cereal sponsored by six hockey playing alien crime fighting ducks. You go to them." <laughs> Fair enough. So, so that's the setup. You've got the sort of superhero world where this sort of ridiculous crap happens. Where you've got, I am wearing my laser plate armor. I am thinking of it as the sort of one. It's not quite to the cheesy levels of sort of Bat- Batman sixty six, the Adam West kind of thing. But it's very you know, sort of villains are villainous and put people in danger. Nobody really gets hurt. And the prisons seem to operate on a revolving door system. And so you're, you know, somebody might take over the city and uh, send their, their legions of cruel enforcers out there. But then they'll get chucked in prison and then they'll be out on, on a good behavior bond a couple of episodes down the track. It's that kind of thing. Okay. So as, as we're saying, like, 1980s, we have to keep using these designs because they're the only toys we've got. Limited animation, commercial, running over 30 minutes. That kind of thing, yes. Oh, it's it's an eminently ridiculous world. And then something happens. I, yeah, how, quite, quite how to kick it off, I could frankly use some help with. But it's the idea of, you know, they, you know, a hero sort of stating, ha ha, no, my armor is laser plate, or possibly the villain stating, yeah, my armor is laser plated, I am invulnerable. And then, the hero saying, wait, that makes absolutely no sense. That that shouldn't work. The villain saying, 
Well, actually, you're right. There is a term for this. Genius? <laughs> I no. was in with a chance. Um. Come on. Audience, back me up here. <laughs> um, Your laughter is not reassuring me. In the... Sorry, Tales from the Wandering Vagabond. I mean, I'm familiar with the game. I'm not sure whether that was a Ben is thinking pause or a Ben is googling something pause. Uh, ben is googling something pause. Oh, right. Is it Wandering Vagabond? Tales of the Wandering... Floating Vagabond. Floating Vagabond. Tales of the Floating Vagabond. Which, from memory, did use all of the different dice sides. Because I read read an article or an interview with the, the guy who'd written it. And one of the reasons for the system is he really wanted to use all the dice sizes. So he decided that rather than rather than change difficulty numbers, the difficulty number would stay the same. It's just that the dice you had to try to roll under it on would get bigger. Uh, which I just yep. loved as an excuse to use a D30. That is a thing. It's from the Tales of the Floating Vagabond, the Newton effect is a shtick, or basically superpower, that the um, well, thematic... Uh, special ability that allows the player to say wait that isn't physically possible and it isn't because it's a universe full of silly weird antics it's actually extremely effective and kind of a wet blanket on the 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 tone of the game if if used it like excessively but so you're not not quite it's more of a a share there's a shared hallucination that you can have laser plate mail but somebody gets the idea that, wait, why aren't we questioning this? Okay, cool. So they're not, they're, the, this person hasn't arrived and is enforcing normalcy on the setting, but they're just, so they're, someone has just finally gone, wait a second, how is this working? Indeed. Well, this would be a sort of a modified version of it, because it's a, like, it still works, but I do like the idea. I mean, I sort of have the idea, and I, I don't know how to get to that sort of kickoff scene. That's something I could do with some help with. But the idea yeah. of sort of your hero and sidekick, and possibly villain and villainous sidekick, basically doing the, wait, this makes no sense. And then they start to, starting to think about it, and sort of the idea of, you know, yes, I know that superheroes have been around as long as recorded history. I know that I am the um, commander, or, yeah, commander Awesome, and yet I can't shake the feeling that a month ago, I worked in a Starbucks. And, you know, sort of the, 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 the villainous Dr. Evil sort of saying, yes, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I remember sort of uh, my, my, my villainous acts and uh, getting my, my multiple PhDs in crime, because that's just a thing, apparently. Yeah. But at the same time, I also remember working a shift at a TGI Fridays. What's going on here? Yeah, so it's the your world had got the, a like a massive dose of Thunder the Barbarian, and everyone's running around doing their this this crazy stuff. But it's not it's it's not the way things have been. It didn't naturally get to it, but it's kind of cool. Everyone's got a thing that they do. You have discovered that there are, there is a a this isn't the way things were. And B, if you think too hard about it, it breaks. Huh. Interesting. Indeed. Yeah. Somebody, basically, something happened. Somebody did this. Um, Now, it could be, there's any any number of ways you could go with it, with how it happened. You could go with, I think, Buffy 
Buffy, Buffy did this with the, the, the Jonathan episode. I forget what it was called, but basically mm. the whole world had been rewritten to make this one guy awesome. It didn't end that badly for him, but it must have been very embarrassing for him and for everybody else. So there's that one. It could be that somebody did this deliberately because they wanted to be a superhero. They wanted to be a superhero in a world with superheroes. And that just happened. Shades of her Ruhi Suzumiya, now that I think of it. Hmm. But the, it's the big question is, do they want to change it back? Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's possibly that the, you start at the realization that even if they were, you know, mortal, en- mortal enemies, um, these folks have worked out this isn't supposed to be, this isn't real, but it's also feels like it's the only thing we've ever known. Maybe the idea is that they have to find out what caused it and somewhere along the way try and deliberate whether is the world better, more fair, safer in some weird way than it used to be? It d- does, you know, does injustice no longer go unpunished? I mean, it might keep happening, and it might be do it, doing it in a weird, campy way, but things get brought that things get brought back to normal, and so forth. So there's, so there is a maybe an acknowledgement that the world they lived in previously, maybe had a big villain of its own that wasn't being dealt with. So this place is actually a bit better. So if they just if they if they bring out of everything out of this sort of vaguely psychedelic pastel playset kind of mode people are going to suffer and is that a moral choice or do they want to f- they figure out what the actual reason it happened is and make their deliberation then mm. that's yeah one of, one of the things i liked i mean okay i like the idea because it's my idea because hey bias it exists but yeah i did like the the, the on the one hand you've got this yeah this ridiculous sort of superhero and supervillain shenanigans and presumably investigating it will involve more superhero and supervillain shenanigans and yet at the same mm-hmm. time you've got this real sort of morality question of if we figure out how to fix this do we actually do it because we currently have a world where as you say like injustices exist but injustices are also being dealt with and we've got the very you know that that very um cartoony era where Pretty much everybody is actually happy with what they're doing. Like Jonah J. Jameson is a complete bastard, but he really enjoys being a complete bastard running the Daily Bugle. Or, or the the consequences have all been kind of sanded off the the weird hijinks. So, regardless of how many jet flighters you 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 blow up or or crash, and you're always parachute to safety kind of thing. Lrgi Joe. Yeah. That this is in fact a, yeah, this is a ridiculous world, but it's a world that's less shit for a lot of people. Hmm. How real it is, who knows? Yeah, indeed, maybe, and maybe that's the point. Maybe somebody's gone, this world is unjust and unfair and kind of boring at the same time. I'm going <laughs> to, I am going to make the wackadoo Saturday morning breakfast cartoon cosmos of my dreams and so it's a cro- it's a crossover between haruhi suzumiya and wandavision oof, oof, oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're welcome uh, <laughs> man <laughs> i thought the hero flesh burger was the dark point in the episode all right <laughs> cool yeah no that's that's interesting and fucked up 
Um, uh, the, 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 the Spice Weasel card for that one was Playing Environment, for, I feel, yeah. obvious reasons. It's, it's an odd yeah. interpretation of Playing Environment, but in this case, it is literally the environment you're playing in. Playing being the very, very focused word there. Huh. Indeed. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sort of give myself an assist on, on the, the playing environment because I feel like there's more to more, more, more to do on that one. But yeah, it, it seems to fit once I had the idea and was looking for Spice Weasel cards. I was like, it's got to be that one because it's... Mm. I mean, as far as introducing it to the to the characters, I think I would... I would tend to do the, okay, this is, you know, introduce the superhero, you know, this is the sort of cartoony superhero world, and probably just lead, you know, there is going to be a bit of a, yeah, there's there's going to be a, a slightly M. Night Shyamalan bait-and-switch thing going on. It will occur in the first scene. And just kind of basically do the, do the setup yeah. for that moment of, wait, that makes no sense. They just sort yeah. of hit, them, hit it with them there. I'd certainly do be, be very upfront, do it early, and say, yes, you're living in a weird four-color, the hallways scroll behind you endlessly kind of cartoon existence, but you think something is wrong. And mm. now read up. Mm. So that was my idea. Huh. That is a... that uh, I'm a little stumped by that one, not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. System-wise... Honestly, I think any anything that can handle superhero-y shit is the way to go. Because it ideally wants to be yeah, the sort of superhero-y shit where nobody actually gets injured that badly is is the way to go with that one. Because the I don't think the moral quandary bit needs to be gamified. No, I don't think so. Um, or maybe there there might be a there might be an argument for making the We've kind of got a, a secret to undoing the, you know, breaking the world slightly. We could, like, go, wait a minute. I remember you. You worked at the car wash. You didn't used to be a giant. And kind of mess people up in that way. So they might, but I think that should also have uh, ramifications as well. So that would be a, a, an additional thing. But no, anything with, with certainly a mildly exponential range of abilities and lightly consequence free grappling and brawling kind of stuff as well would work so yeah a superhero one would be pretty cool mm. and i i had been thinking for the, the, yeah, the, the good old standby of masks but i feel that has the wrong feel he says redundantly to it that's even if you've got the whole personal growth of the characters and all that sort of thing that's not really what this game would be it's would be the wrong about. focus yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Your your self perception, your identity does change, but it's based on what you discover rather than the world shaping and moulding you. In fact, it's almost the opposite. You could be like, "Hey, you, you used you used to be like a traffic warden. You are you're not, not you're not the dark lord of such and such." I was like, "Ah, oh, damn." <laughs> mm. I think the more, yeah, yeah. The, the more anybody does that, the less their own powers work. I think should be the trade-off. Yeah, that the, maybe the the partnership between the um, the hero and villain may be a necessity because they kind of manage to sort of erase one another's most um, powerful abilities when they figured this out. I was like, oh, okay, uh, <laughs> this is the more people who know about it, the more likely that the world will get someone will revert the world to what it was. So, 
you want to be kind of circumspect about how you employ that power. Mm. I did have a thought just for a what, yeah, what, not necessarily what caused it, but what could be behind them suddenly realizing it. If there is somebody else who figured it out, who is doing this, okay, you've got somebody else who is actively trying to revert the world by Hmm. reverting people. So if you decide that you don't want the world reverted, you're going to have to find them and stop them. That's, yeah, that's the other action. That you're like, yes, this is a brilliant, mm-hmm. wacky playset of a world now, and somebody's going around ruining everyone's fun. Sure. I kind of like the moral ambiguity that this could be good or it could be bad, and finding out why this happened is mm. paramount. Though you could have somebody just, as a as a threat, just roaming around, breaking stuff. Hmm. Anyway, so yes, that was my idea. That was quite the head-scratcher, and well done. Oh, yeah. All right. And it's an embarrassment of riches this time, because we also have a pitch from Will. For Laser-Plated Hero, I immediately thought of the stereotypical knight in full plate mail armor, but that's not very exciting. So I googled laser plating and found out there's a process called laser-selective plating, where a circuit is placed directly on a plastic component. So what if someone or something has an advanced process so they can put circuits on anything or anyone? Suddenly you have an an intelligence that is turning people into circuits. For what? No one knows. It's up for the PCs to find out. The PCs are brought in because they too have been laser-plated and need to find out who is doing this before whatever evil plan is brought to fruition. I like the idea of a low-level supers game for this, as each person has been plated, could have a different set of abilities based on where their plating is, what the substance the plating is made of, and what body systems it interacts with. Masks is an obvious choice, but I also like the idea of mutants and masterminds. So what I understand is a little bit more superhero-y, in the sense the powers can seem bigger and more impressive. Yeah. Cool. So yes, it's a bit Curse of the Azure Bonds, but with... Uh, like a CAD machine involved or something. <laughs> Curse of the Azure Bonds? Uh, it's a classic advanced Dungeons and Dragons scenario slash gold box game, I think. One of the TSR computer games. Where the, the party wakes up with tattoos that tell them they're on an adventure now and they better be on the adventure right now. Huh. It's the no one knows part. But yes, that, that shouldn't, shouldn't bring up the spectre of those sort of things. Lightly. But the idea that, yes, somebody is running around engraving people with, like, uh, superpower QR codes is kind of funny. It puts me in mind of the occasional, I think this came up in Batman Beyond, where you'd get sort of person being overtaken by technology and you get this obvious circuitry on their skin Mm. for reasons that Mm. make little to no sense. It's more symbolic than anything, but yeah. Mm. Oh, you know, they've, they've got too many temporary tattoos at once. (laughs) <laughs> the yeah I mean, one of the things that occurred to me is okay so you've got these people who have been been sort of laser plated with technology and they're not sure what it does given that things like bluetooth and near field communication exist i mean obviously they'll get to want to work together to try to solve the problem but what happens when enough people or the right people get within communications range and the network can be set up Hmm. I wonder what it does then. You know, and could we discover that the tinfoil hat of conspiracy theorists is in fact there not to stop the signals from getting in, but to stop them from getting out? Hmm. Yes. And it also gives you the option if if the the laser plating is basically what what the laser plating turns up, and you have superpowers. I mean, that's 
a really fun way of doing the, I used to be an office manager, now I can punch through a train hmm. sort of thing where, okay, you've got superpowers and cope. <laughs> it would, yes, I definitely find that quite appealing, the um, people suddenly, ordinary people suddenly having superpowers, having to deal with it and figure out who is doing this as well. So it gives a different mm. objective. And you could go, you could, you wouldn't have the issue of, they say, four or five generations of of superheroes before you. You'll be dealing with the, okay, there were movies, there were comic books, there were the odd person who ran around, like, the inner cities of certain places, beat, sort of beating up people and performing citizens' rest. But suddenly we have the, the legitimate thing going mm. How do yeah. we deal with that? The real deal, and we don't know why. Mm. Yeah. And neither do they. Yep. On the other hand, presumably they're reasonably easy to spot from a distance. Well, yeah, it depends. I mean... Maybe that explains the spandex suits. It's to hide the circuitry. My God, it makes so much sense now. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it, you know, it needs, you know, a little bit of, a little, like, a conductive surface, and you don't want too much, to uh, cutting it up too much. It's not certainly not because it was based on um, circus strongmen outfits in the like nineteen twenties. <laughs> oh my word! No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, really? Was that really a thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, ah. That is why Superman has his underpants on the outside. <laughs> I assumed it was just because he was changing in a, uh, in a in a phone booth and got confused easily. Indeed, indeed. Well, no, it was because this was a a time where people were very. Um, Adverse to seeing folks junk and tights were made out of wool and these people were picking up heavy things. There were going to be uh, wardrobe malfunctions, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Also, do you really want to see the uh, Circus Strongman's dick print? No. No, you do not. It wouldn't have been done in that era. So, yeah. No. It, of course, morphed over time as, you know, there was the uh, giant pouches, ammo belts and no feet of the 90s. Thank you, Rob. Is that Rob Liefeld? Yeah, yeah. No feet. No feet. <laughs> I, I, I read somebody's bit on it who was basically just arguing that and it's not that the man can't draw feet, it's just that he's not interested. Like, who cares about Wolverine's feet? He just, he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> you can't put, you can't put muscles on feet. That doesn't make any sense. Nobody invented the shoe pouch. Why would you bother? <laughs> it's 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 it, his mind's eye has a particular lens on it like a fish eye but it means that feet just trail off into infinity and it's so it's impossible to actually finish drawing them they just the, the trick of perspective means they're down there somewhere but you're never going to see any detail <laughs> and just that phrase the feet trail off to infinity just reminds me of that welcome to the elbow realm image <laughs> yeah that that's uh that was just bad and will be in the show notes. Can you make sure that your picture is the primary one this time? Because we've got the wood for sheep guy on my I... picture. And um, maybe chuck maybe chuck your image on top a second time in the in the thing just to be sure. Because I'll he's try. been looking it's... back at me for the last two weeks and I haven't <laughs> been brave enough to click on our our own episode. <laughs> I will see what can be done. With WordPress, it's always a little bit interesting as to what the hell it thinks it's doing. <laughs> yeah, because he's... Uh, hopefully that's a Creative Commons image as well. As far as I know... Well, as far as I was able to tell, it is. And I do Poor I do bastard. check into these things. 
It's why, yeah, it's, if anybody was ever wondering, it's why we have such odd images for the uh, title cards, because I only use pictures that I have taken myself. That way, there can be no issue with copywriting. And you get to burn through your probably very, very abused stockpile of holiday snaps, so... There are so many holiday snaps. Mm. Oh my god. Not all of them are holiday snaps, but a large number of them are. Some some of them are repurposed, um, but yeah. All right, so... A little dis- discretion from the... Um... Oh, discursion from the uh, superhero um, temporary tattoos crowd. Shenaniganizing. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly like the idea as a way of saying mystery superpowers deal. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's basically the, you wake up, your skin hurts, there's going to be some oozing. Also, you can run really fast now. Hmm, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's... And it's pretty straightforward on the system side. Some relatively open, not too technical um, superhero game would be appropriate. Yeah. Something that's good for dis- discovering new abilities and you know, pushing the envelope. Yeah. So that, I think, brings us to the end of our, our content. Uh, not, not quite, because as part of our feedback, I would like to thank Will also for presenting us with a game system. Which is amazing. And validates everything that we have been doing for all of this time. Or is that just me? It is heartwarming to see, for sure. So, Will uh, has constructed rules for My Dear, We're Out of Stilton. Uh, it has renamed it I'm Sorry, We're Out of Stilton, which has the awesome acronym IsWuz. Uh, we'll put up a link if uh, Will would like to share that with the world in its current very um, 1.1 stage. But yes, it's a dice and playing card driven, brutally murderous dinner party. So awesome. We'll look forward to trying that out and uh, seeing how that, that works. So very, very gratifying to, to have actually accomplished what the show set out to 160 episodes ago. <sighs> what a world. I mean, if we were going to end the show, this would be the moment to end it on. Indeed. Just a, okay, we're done here. <laughs> Thank you, Will. That's awesome. We'll definitely have a look at that and see if we can run a game even. That'd be pretty amazing. I, I, would, I would like to try to actually run a, a game, but uh, having finally, finally come out of the fairly strict restrictions of how many people can get together in the UK, so it is possible to get people around a gaming table. And what happens? Because of the relaxed restrictions, everybody fucks off elsewhere. There are certain things people have been putting off for, you know, a year that they many to catch up on. So, yeah, yeah, it'll happen. I mean, that is fair. I can't, I can't blame them. I can't blame them that much or realistically at all. But yes, it's just a ironic timing of finally, after 14 and a half months, gaming is pot. No, everybody, where are you? Oh, oh fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, not everyone is you know, the complete saddos that we are and only has this to uh, gaming and, and a podcast to keep them going. So That is true. Some people have lives. We have to respect that. Baffling. Baffling. <laughs> Baffling stuff. I, 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 I don't really have a life anymore. I've been living in a studio apartment for 14 and a half months. This, this is Craig's only lifeline to the outside world. It's true. It's true. 
I've I've stopped opening the door because of COVID. I just get pizza delivery people to feed flat things in under the door. <laughs> the pizza boxes are building up to a worrying level. On the <laughs> other hand, they do provide good sound insulation, so you know you win some, you lose some. Indeed. All right. So that is probably the end of the show, ish. Apart from the other bits that are the real end of the show. Well, we should select a winner because this is a game show role playing game podcast. Man, that's going to be tough this time. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm egotistically including myself in this one. They're all so good. Would you like me to go first? Please. Not only because he butted us up by actually producing actual tangible output based on our vague meanderings. I like Will's idea because of the opportunity to go... I'm real go fast, man. You've never seen or heard about anyone else except for those licensed characters who are in comic books and nowhere else. This is my job now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm normally an accountant. I think that would be f- enormous fun. And from a certain point of view, practically the exact opposite of my one. Yes. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly, somebody suddenly discovers they're a superhero. Somebody suddenly discovers that they aren't. Hmm. I mean, I know this isn't counted by the rules, but I'm actually going to have to abstain from voting on this one. I genuinely cannot pick. Well, as far as the votes are concerned, the uh, the outcome is unanimous. Yeah. I am sorry to to everybody, uh, myself and yourself included, but uh, yeah, they are all a, yeah, I would play the hell out of that game. Well, then, Will, you are now the proud owner of, uh, wait for this, this is a good one, the gold record in the Voyager 1 space probe. Unfortunately, you will have to wait until it comes round on whatever oblivion-seeking arc before you can claim your prize, but rest assured, that is yours from this point forward. Well done. Doesn't it turn up in, like, the first Star Trek movie? Sure. I think that, that could have been two, actually, but... <laughs> yes. It's the one with lots of special effects and less plots. Yeah. So. Don't worry, we'll we'll make sure we can find a, a JPEG for you and you can turn it into an NFT if those things still exist by the time this podcast airs. What's an NFT? It doesn't exist anymore, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, C- congratulations, Will. Uh, yay. So, I, su- I suppose what's left is to announce the next episode. And uh, voting was was pretty furious on this one. There were many votes cast, ideally by many people. <laughs> many bots. Many bots died to bring us these votes. <laughs> Indeed. But the winner, with a tremendous four votes, comes to us from John and is Cognitive Dissidents. Nice. So that will be the prompt for episode 161. Uh, which leads us in a seamless and natural way to what the poll options for episode 162 are going to be. The first option is an octagonal box of regret. Not actually sure where that one came from. I get, might, might have been you. It has your sort of, it, it feels like the sort of thing you might have said at some point. Sure. Yeah. The next one is one of John's suggestions and is a starship called Bob. From last time's guest, Terry, Ruins of the Ancients. And the last one is also from Terry, but... Technically. <laughs> technically. Well, Terry, Terry had had the idea that it might be entertaining, 
to take a bunch of movies and just basically reinterpret them. And he threw out some suggestions of movie movie titles. So this one is Dirty Dozen. Hmm. Right. Go forth and vote. Vote early. Vote often. Vote using bots. Vote using VPNs. Vote using IP spoofing. That's a lot of effort, Gopher. I don't think it's that that uh, consequential. But definitely chuck some clicks on the internet. Vote using incognito mode here. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the uh, episode. Thank you, everybody, for the suggestions. Thank you, Ben, for putting up with me not being able to make a decision. That's quite all right. And thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Having survived Laser-Plated Hero, hat tip to Happy Jacks, and we'll be ready with Cognitive Dissidence. Good night, all. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!